Our scripture reading will come from Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also, he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you, li- you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you had, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has for to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, and the cast the worthless servant, into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. We're going to be in a few different texts this morning, starting with 2 Timothy chapter 1. So if you want to get out your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, that's where we'll be beginning our study. We've been studying through the book of James, and we finished the book of James. I enjoyed that very much. I hope you did too. Uh, But now I'd like for us to take some time to consider uh, how we're using our gifts. Really, all of these have been in line with with our overall idea of this year being the body of Christ, becoming the body of Christ. James is a wonderful practical book uh, to talk about how we can follow Christ and be like Christ and understanding that whole process and and hopefully uh, our desire to be like Christ has grown through that study. Uh, But now we're going to be turning our attention to using our gifts. As, As members of the body of Christ, we are all given gifts. Uh, And so we're going to be talking about the gifts we have and trying to understand how we can use those gifts in a beneficial way to help the body grow. Uh, And this is going to be much more topical in nature. 
to start with this morning, I just want to kind of wake everybody up to this idea. And I want everybody to be understanding about this. It's not my intention to blast anybody who's not been doing so much, but more so to encourage them uh, to, to wake up, to shake off all the things that are pro- prohibiting them from doing what it is that they can do in the body of Christ and become stronger uh, in, in their work and in their efforts. Have you ever wondered why God made you the way that you are? Uh, why he gave you uh, the unique talents and abilities that you possess. Have you ever wondered why it is that you are who you are and, and you like to do things the way you like to do things and, and you're good at these things and you're bad at those things? And you might say, well, DNA, of course, right? Well, you know, as we think about it, God has created each and every one of us very different and very individual uh, so that we can fit together and and utilize the abilities that he's given us to the praise of his glory. And that's ultimately the goal that we have. So uh, you could just imagine a tool that's uh, perfectly crafted, that's designed for a specific purpose, and it just sits in the toolbox. It doesn't do anything. Uh, and, and how a shame that would be. This is a beautifully crafted tool. It's, it's here for a job. The job it needs to be done, and yet it's never brought out of the toolbox. It's never used. And that's, in some ways, what happens in our lives. Uh, we have gifts. We have talents. We have potentials that are just not tapped into. Uh, why is that? Why, do we ha- why has God created us in this certain way and we've got these certain gifts and we've got these certain abilities and yet they lay dormant within us and they never come to the surface and they never get fully utilized? I want you to think for just a moment about a gift and ability that God has given you. It's a gift that you know is within you because you use it on occasion to serve yourself well. But it's a gift that maybe is lying dormant in the body of Christ, as you gather with people who are like-minded, of like faith. You don't use that ability. You don't use that gift so much. I want you to think about that and understand that God wants you to use that gift and that ability in a way that is in keeping with His Word and His will. Are you the kind of person who can fix anything? Are you the kind of person who uh, can make people smile? Are you the kind of person who's a really good listener and and pays close attention to the needs and the desires of others? Uh, Are you the kind of person who uh, just goes and and gets the hard stuff done? Are you the kind of person that uh, cares deeply about other people and always remembers them uh, whenever they're at their lowest and you lift them up and you build them up? What is it that you have the gift or the ability to do? The number of gifts, the number of talents are as numerous as the stars of the sky. I could just keep going. We have tons of different talents, even in this very room, different abilities and different levels that we all have. Uh, And so we all need to figure out a way to use those gifts to use those abilities, uh, and we don't need to let them gather dust. We don't need to let them stay dormant. We need to break them out. We need to find a way to use them to help the body grow. Uh, and, and we need to overcome whatever's preventing us from doing that. Maybe you're too busy. Maybe you've got too many things going on, or you don't feel like you're good enough, or you're able to do that. Um, maybe there's other barriers that are preventing you from doing that. We need to address those. We need to overcome those. Because God has created you for a purpose, and he wants you to use that for his glory. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Today we're going to look at three different texts to see the encouragement that the scriptures give us to use our gifts. We're going to see the warning 
that, that the scriptures give us against uh, you know, holding our gifts back and not using them. And then we're going to just see a, a text that really gives us this mission statement of, of utilizing our gifts for God's glory. That's going to be the lesson for you this morning. So let's start off with the encouragement. That's the good stuff, right? We like the encouragement. Look at me at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. One of my favorite texts. I've got many, as you know. It says, uh, for this reason, Paul is writing to his young protege, Timothy, and he says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Notice here, Paul reminds Timothy to fan God's gift into flame. Timothy has some kind of a gift that God has given him. And in this case, through the laying on of, of Paul's hand, there has been some uh, maybe supernatural gift that has been given to him. But notice that that gift is not burning brightly anymore. He has a gift. He has an ability given to him by God. And he's, in a sense, allowed it to cool. His zeal has cooled. His spirit is dampened and, and he's not doing the things that he should be doing. He's, he, is, he is not burning as brightly. He's not as zealous as he once was. Why? What has happened to Timothy? Well, we don't really know. It doesn't tell us a whole lot of information about that, but it could be he's, he's afraid. It seems as though Paul goes into, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, uh, love, and self-control. It could be that fear plays a part in that. It could be discouragements are preventing him from being as zealous as he once was. We all know what that's like. Uh, it could be burnout. You know, he's, he's burnt so brightly, and now uh, he's, he's just exhausted. He's fatigued. Or it could be that the people around him just uh, are, are placing a lot of responsibilities on him, and he doesn't quite know how to handle any of them, and so he's overwhelmed and just not doing anything. Uh, but whatever it is, Paul is encouraging him to fan the gift of God into a flame again, to be zealous again, no matter what's happened in the past, to be zealous again, to be on fire for God, to be using those gifts that God has given him to the praise of God's glory once again so that the body of Christ can be exalted, lifted up, and it can grow. My PowerPoint has gotten messed up here. Uh, it says <clears throat> that uh, there's a gift that God has given him besides the gift of the laying on of hands. Did you notice that? He says uh, that, that I want you to fan in the flame the gift that was given to you by the laying on of my hands. And then he says, for God gave us a spirit. Okay, well, that's interesting. God gave us a spirit. Uh, there's a gift of God that, that is given to us of a spirit. And he says, he describes his spirit. It's not a spirit of fear. You see how he's talking about the spirit within us, the, the drive within us. You look at a, a young child and you see how jubilant and joyful and rambunctious they are. And you say, that child's got a lot of spirit in them. You know, we think about the spirit as being the, the, the life within the person. And he says, God has given us a spirit. But he says, it's not a spirit of fear. It's not a spirit of cowardice. It's not a spirit of, of, of just disillusionment and, and paralyzed. It's not a spirit that does nothing, but it's a spirit, he says, of power. And why does he say that? Is it because Timothy doesn't feel very powerful right now? 
He doesn't feel as though he can accomplish anything right now, like that he has no power, no ability. Maybe people are looking down on him for his youth or something along those lines. Paul kind of alludes to that in, in his letters to Timothy. But he says, God's given you a spirit, not of fear, but a spirit of power. He's talking about an inner power within Timothy that God has placed within him through the grace that God bestows upon all of us. All of us have a spirit, not of fear, but a spirit of power. An inner strength, an inner ability, because we know God loves us and that God's love is an unconditional love that will stay with us even though we make mistakes, even though we stumble and we trip and we fall. If we, if we focus again on Him, the love is always there. And that is powerful and that is empowering us to go out and to do the work that God has given us the gift, the ability to do. So he says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, timidity, but a spirit of power. And also he says, a spirit of love. You know, God has poured his love into our hearts so that his love runs through our veins. And that love motivates us and pushes us beyond what we are capable of. We don't want to go and to serve and to love other people in some cases, in some situations. It's really hard. We don't want to love our enemies. But God has put a spirit of love within us that says, if God can love me, then I can love them. He says, God has given you this gift, this spirit. And it's a spirit of power and it's a spirit of love. And he says, it's a spirit of self-control. What God has done for us has, is driving us to live a disciplined life. A life that is focused on the godliness, the, the righteousness of God. To be more like Him. To be more sacrificial as He has shown Himself and demonstrated Himself to be sacrificial. We don't do just the things we want to do. We do things we don't want to do. And God's put that spirit within us that is able and willing to do things we don't want to do. We're not here to live self-serving lives. We're here to live lives devoted to God. And so he's trying to point to Timothy and say, you're supposed to be disciplined because God has given you everything you need to be disciplined. Everything you need to be self-controlled. Everything you need to be consistently using the gift that he has placed within you. Fan your gift into flame. Did you know that God put that spirit within all of us? That you have within you the spirit of power, the spirit of love, the spirit of self-control. In giving the sacrifice of Jesus, he has given you a gift. And it is a transformation of your spirit. Ezekiel 36 very clearly foretells this. God says he's going he's to come and he's going to put his spirit into them so that they will be careful to obey his commandments. It will be a, a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone, full of love, full of zeal, full of desire to serve and worship God faithfully. That's what God has given to each and every one of us through Jesus. So this is an encouraging text. If you're feeling as though your gifts are just not going to be very valuable or very useful, we'll understand that God has put something within you to cause you to grow spiritually and to persist. You failed in using your gift time and time again. Well, don't let the flame go out. Fan it back up. 
get it back going. You burn out, you got to be on fire again. Do what you got to do to get that flame back up going again because God has not given you a spirit of fear. He's given you a spirit of power, love, and self-control. Huge encouragement. Now let's look at the second text, Matthew 25. Um, Greg read that for us. It's the parable of the talents. You know the parable of the talents, right? Uh, Jesus is telling us a, a parable about God, God's gifts, but he's, he's using this illustration of a master having three servants. And to one servant, he gives five talents, which a talent is a measure of, of, of money, of some kind of money, talents of gold, talents of silver, some, some weight. And so to one, he gives five talents. That's a lot of gold, a lot of silver, a lot of money. And he says, uh, he, he gives them this money, the, the five talent, he gives five, the two talent, he gives two, and then there's one talent that he gives to one. And, and even in that very statement, we see the, the wisdom of the master to know that I'm going to give this gift to this person because he is able, because he is capable of accomplishing all that this gift entails. He's giving them an opportunity to use their abilities. That's what this money represents. He's entrusting them with this money so that they can use it to demonstrate their abilities and their willingness to serve the master. You know the story. The first two servants invest in the master. They take all that money, which is a lot of money, uh, and you might be afraid to have that much money laying around. I mean, that's, that's physical money that you're carrying around. Can you imagine carrying briefcases full of that much money? But they take all this money, and those first two servants are driven to make the master look good, to, to give the master glory. And they take the money and they invest it. Now, that can be risky, and they might be scared, and they might be fearful. But for some reason, they trust that this is all going to work out. That the master's given us this much because we have the ability to use it in the right way. And so they put their abilities to use, they invest the money, and they bring about a doubling of the things that the master has given, a doubling of the talents that they've been given. The first servant has five talents, he doubles it and has ten talents whenever the master returns. The second servant has, has two talents, he doubles it and he has four talents whenever the master returns. And so in this you see a mentality that is inside of them and, and a mentality that says, I'm here to serve the master, I want to do it. And then there's the other servant. And this servant is driven by fear. He's got this talent. It's a lot of money. And instead of using it and investing in the master, trusting that the master is going to reward him for the work and the effort that he puts in, instead of trusting in the master and using his abilities and using the opportunity... He hides the talent and he goes about his business doing whatever it is that he wants to do. When the master comes back, the master is not happy with this servant. Instead of rewarding him and saying, enter into the joy of your Lord, he says, take his talent from him and give it to the man who has ten talents. Because the one who has more will be given. 
So overall, the, the message is very clear that there's two different mindsets that we can have as servants of God with the gifts that God has given to us. And so we, we're, we're caused to ask ourselves, which mindset do we have? Do we have the mindset that says, I have these gifts, I have these abilities, I'm going to use them. And it's going to be risky, and it may hurt, and it may be difficult, and it may be, may be challenging, but I'm going to use them for God's glory, for, for the Master's glory. And I'm going, to, I'm going to do my best because he's entrusted me with this knowing I have this much ability. And if I had one talent, he would say, okay, this is what you got. I would use it knowing I have that much ability, and that's fine. He's not, he's not giving more to the person who had ten talents than the four talents. He's not saying, well, you, you are, you are the, the wonderful person and the, the four talent, uh, you're, you're okay, you're not that great. You didn't do the ten talent. But he gives, he gives to both. He loves both. He allows both to enter into the joy. But as we look at this, we see God has clear expectations. That the person who he's giving the gift to would use it. They would use it. Not that they would sit on it or hide it, but that they would use it. And that's what he expects to happen. And so along with that very clear expectation, we see a warning that we are not to waste the abilities. We are not to waste the opportunities. We are not to waste the gifts that God has given to us because the one who does that will not be able to enter into the joy of the Lord, but will be instead cast out. You know, I, I was talking to a friend of mine this last week, and he had a a guy that had not really submitted to God for 58 years of his life. And he finally did. And he said uh, to my friend, you know, I was just, I was afraid. I, I couldn't meet up the expectations of what God had. I, I just felt like it was just too much. And finally, he came to the understanding that the expectations of God are not beyond the reach of anybody. But that God expects from us what we have the ability to do. And that's what we need. We need to understand that. This is not a burden that God has expectations of us, should not crush us. It's not a weight. But instead, it's, it's, a, it's an understanding that it's, it's not okay to live your life for yourself. You have to invest in God. You have to give yourself to God and you have to be willing to serve Him. If you're going to partake in all the joy that He has waiting for you when this life is over. And so this gives you a very clear warning against allowing your gifts to stay dormant. If you've buried your gift and not used it to the best of your ability, dig it up and get it out in order to enter into the joy of your Lord. This is not a free ride. It's not a free pass. Being baptized, being baptized is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. That's not the way that God portrays life in the kingdom, in the church. But he, he makes it very clear that we are the body of Christ, individually having gifts and abilities that we're supposed to be using to bring about the glory of God. And this last text really helps us understand our purpose and our mission is to bring about the glory of God. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another 
as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What's your mission in life? What, why are you here? We, we thought about at the beginning, uh, why did God make you who you are? Why did God give you certain abilities, certain talents that you have? Well, here we see the reason why. That there is a mission, that there is a divine purpose that God had in creating you the way you are, in giving you the gifts that you have, in, in making you the way you are with your weaknesses, with your strengths. God had something in mind for you to be a vital member of the body of Christ. And it says his grace is varied. There is, there is a, a, a plethora of gifts that he's given to his people. And the, the varied grace is supposed to be used to serve one another. He empowers us in each of our gifts so that we can use them to serve one another. Our excuses are not going to be okay because they won't accomplish the mission. Our goal is to accomplish the mission. That's what matters. And so no excuses. No denial. The mission is more important than my feelings. The mission is more important than my life. I lay it down at your feet. We sing that song. We care about the mission more than we care about our own comfort. We care about the mission more than we care about our own pleasure and our own joy in this life because we care about the one who has gifted us with the spirit of power, the spirit of love, the spirit of self-control, with the talents uh, of, of gold and silver and all the blessings that are given to us that we didn't deserve but that he desired to give to us. We recognize he didn't have to give them, but he wanted to. And instead of just using them for our own benefit, the mission is to use them to glorify the one who gave them to us. Instead of using them to glorify ourselves, we use them to point to God and say, isn't he wonderful? Isn't he great? The gifts that God has given me uh, sometimes I hear people say, oh, it's just such a great sermon. Oh, you do so good. All this kind of stuff. It's him. It's him. I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am without him. Every gift, every ability I have comes from him. And I would still be as ignorant as I can be <laughs> uh, preaching horrible sermons every Sunday or not preaching at all if it wasn't for his help and his assistance and his guidance to get me to where I am today. To connect me with the mentor who led me and, and encouraged me and strengthened me. To bring me to a group of people who are patient and kind and respectful and encouraging and also willing to confront issues that are going on and to refine me. If, if those gifts weren't given to me, then my gift would not have advanced. It wouldn't have exceeded what I ever thought it could. So it's him. It's not me. And that's our, that's our mission. That's our goal in life. 
You know, I'd much rather hear in the auditorium, wow, what a wonderful passage that is, than wow, what a wonderful sermon that is. Because it's not about me, but it's about him. And everything that I teach on Sunday morning is not coming from me, it's coming from him. So everything we do should revolve around exalting and glorifying our God. Because ultimately, we're just stewards. We're just managers. We're not the creators. We're just given these things to use in a way that brings God glory. Those things are entrusted to us. A master is entrusting his riches to his stewards, believing that they will use their abilities to handle it correctly. What has God given you? What role has he given you to fulfill? What part has he given you to play in the body of Christ? He's entrusted that to you. You have that ability. And you alone can fulfill that role in the way that God has created you to fulfill it. So if you let it sit dormant, then the gift, the role, the ability goes to waste. And God will not be as glorified as you know he deserves to be. He deserves all the glory in all of our lives. So we need to step up. We need to step forward in faith. And we don't need to step backward in fear. We don't need to be afraid. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of self-control. And so we need to use those gifts to his glory. I'm not trying to bash anybody. I'm just trying to to motivate, to encourage you to step up and step into whatever role you have without fear. People are going to act foolishly, okay? You may be criticized for using your role, uh, using your gift in a way that people don't understand, and you're going to have to deal with that. But it's not going to be an excuse for you to stop doing your role. You need, to, you need to correct, you need to refine, you need to adjust, and you need to keep pursuing the role. You need to fan that gift into flame. You need to keep using God's gifts for you because that's what he wants from you. That's his desire. So how do we do this? How do we do this every day? How do we perform the abilities and the gifts that God has given us? We need to confront the spirit of fear with God's spirit. Something inside of you says, I can't do that. I'm afraid that such and such will happen or that so and so will say this or this or that or whatever. Confront it and say, no, God's given me the spirit of power. I can do this. Evangelism's hard. But if you're the kind of person who can connect with people on a deeper level, you're made for evangelism. You need to learn how to do it and deal with the difficulties and grow and be refined to be better at it. And if you're the kind of person who's working like crazy, doing a hundred million different things, and you're just completely burnt out, your flame has died down, you're not alone. Timothy also went through that. And Paul said, fan that, fan that gift in the flame again. Yeah, you need your rest. Jesus himself went away for the night and got away from everybody, devoted himself to prayer, and, and he even went to secluded places to just kind of get away from it all, overwhelmed, burnt out, all that kind of stuff. I'm sure Jesus experienced it, but at the end of the day, he got back on the horse. He got back to doing the work God had given him to do, and that's our example. 
So if you're burnt out, don't stay burned out. Take your break, take your rest, and then come right back and get back to it. And don't miss a beat. And be sure that you're not failing to prioritize the work God has given you to do above your own life. That's the wrong mindset. That's the mindset of the the servant with one talent that said, well, I've got other things I'd rather do. I'll just go bury this to keep it safe. No, prioritize working with the abilities God's given you, with the gifts God's given you. Every opportunity that you have is is, is something that needs to be taken advantage of. And you need to put the work of God ahead of the hobbies and the fun things. You know, not everything on your agenda, on your list, maybe nothing's bad. Maybe there's all kinds of good things on that list that, that you would not be ashamed to tell other people about. But not everything is necessary. And perhaps we can remove some of those unnecessary things and plug in some of those opportunities that God gives us to glorify him. And make sure that we're, we're there whenever people are, are needing encouragement, we're there for them. Make sure that we're there when people are needing to learn the scriptures. We're there to teach. We're there to lift up. We're there to motivate. We're there to encourage. Prioritize God. Prioritize time with God's people. Prioritize time with God's word so that you can grow in your gifts and your abilities. Prioritize prayer. Finally, if you want to do this every day, you've got to maintain your zeal. This is not a sprint. I know that maybe some of us have this tendency to say, I'm all in. And then they disappear. (laughs) I'm all in. And then they disappear again. It's not a sprint. Okay? To maintain your zeal, you need to have a flame that you can sustain. You need to keep doing things consistently. We need consistency. Brethren need to see consistency from each other. Don't try to do gifts and abilities that God hasn't given you. Let other people handle that who have that ability. But really focus on the things God's given you the ability to do and do them to the best of your ability. And, and understand burnout can happen and prepare for that. But stay zealous, stay on fire, stay motivated because you know the gifts God's given you. You know the God who loves you and you desire to serve him. We have every reason to be zealous in our service for our God. We have every reason. He has shown us tremendous love. Love that is supposed to sustain us throughout the rest of our walk here on earth. He's revealed to us wonderful truths about the blessings that we have waiting for us when this life is over. The blessings that we have experienced, that we can experience right now in the spiritual realm that we have right here. In our, in our own family, we have plenty of things to be, faithful, be, be thankful for, as we just did this last week, talked about thankfulness. We should constantly be thankful for those things, and we should constantly be zealous to fulfill the role and the purpose God has given us. This is not a burden. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to use whatever gifts God's given us for His glory. It's a privilege. And so if you're not using it, you're missing out. And we want to encourage you and help you in any way we can to get you back to doing the things that you can do. And if something stopped you, 
help us understand so that we can get you back doing the things that you need to do. And we can help you to become the best you can be. Because we as the body of Christ, we need you to be active and to be vibrant and to be zealous all the time and to be consistent. That's how we grow and that's how we glorify and honor our God. If you're here today, I've been talking a lot about the grace that God gives to each and every believer. Uh, Those who are in the body of Christ, uh, the, the gift of forgiveness is just the start. There are other gifts that he gives us, and he gives us the strength to, to speak and to serve one another, and that's what this life as a Christian is all about. And you can enter into it. The door's open. The opportunity's there for you to be forgiven of all your sins and to walk with God and to use your gifts for his glory. Are you willing to step away from a life of self-focus, And really serve God? If you are, he promises a reward that's better than anything you have on this earth. A reward that is eternal. And it's available for each and every one of us. You don't have to be perfect to receive it. In fact, none of us will be. Because Jesus in his perfection has paid the way for us to be forgiven. And you can be forgiven today. If you need to do that, please let us know. Please come as we stand and as we sing.